Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night, wherever you are in the world, and welcome to another special episode of Endurance Chat. I'm Michael Zalavari, and we are talking about Bathurst once again, and joining me in this fantastic endeavor, I once again have Kiwi Chris Riddell. Good morning, Kiwi. Good morning, Michael, and hello, everybody. It's been a long time. How are you it, doing? It has been a long time. How are you doing, Kiwi? Yeah, well, it's, I've undergone, as you know, some massive changes in my life. Having a pregnant fiance is interesting. Let's put it that way. Woo! This is the official pregnancy announcement. Well done. It is. It is, yes. Happy days. Uh, so, yeah, April, little nugget of joy should come along. Oh, that's so cute. That's so cute. <laughs> and. So, yeah. Yeah, wow, that's huge. That's so huge. My gosh. <laughs> wow. Okay, where do we go from here? Bathurst, right? Oh, my second love. Yes, absolutely. Oh, wait, no, second? Second? Third. Oh, third. Third. Third? Let's don't get you my mean, don't you right mean zeroth? Everything else comes after that. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah. Oh, Beth is 1000. It's uh, my favourite race of the year. I know it's yours as well, so it's uh, coming around again. A bit later than usual as well. Yes, there has been plenty going on in the Supercars series uh, to cause that. And as a, as a TLDR, if people aren't familiar with the, the Repco Supercars series now, because it's changed its naming rights once yet again... Um, it's of course South. Uh, well, uh, sorry, Australia, the Southern Hemisphere's premier touring car category, the uh, national series for uh, Australia, pretty much. It's where all the good Australian drivers end up if they don't go to Europe. And it's had a bit of a truncated season this year due to uh, everyone's favourite uh, virus of the time, COVID nineteen. So we started off the season pretty normally, you know. Well, pretty normally it was the well. First, it was the first time I hadn't started at Adelaide for 25 years which was like a freaking knife to the chest for me but you know whatever we actually started the season at Bathurst and then from there went to Sandown Tasmania back to the bend then we were meant to go to Winton but COVID happened and that kind of put a a a pin in that one um so the teams went up to the top end did Darwin a doubleheader at Townsville and then COVID happened again uh COVID COVID really happened yeah a uh, a big outbreak in particularly Sydney uh, and then that also transferred down to Melbourne as well so for a large period of the year from about uh, June end of June down to well last week uh, Sydney and Melbourne have been in lockdown which has affected the teams uh, because you know either borders have been closed or teams that are based in those cities particularly those in Melbourne have been unable to go to work and work in the cars um, and you can't really transit through uh, New South Wales to get from Queensland to South Australia or from Melbourne up to Ipswich, etc, etc. So what happened is that we had a three-month break effectively from July 18th through to the first round at Sydney, which was uh, the beginning of the month, I think November 4th. So so a huge break, uh, but... As a result of that, we've done very recently four straight rounds in Sydney at Sydney Motorsport Park, and we've got this weekend off, and next weekend will be the big one. As of the time of recording, we are already in Bathurst week because track action starts tomorrow, which is ridiculous. I used to think that COVID has changed so much about this. Uh, basically, while we've got a six-day festival of motorsport now, we have the V8 or the Supercars 
event that's been rescheduled to note to December now. Yeah. And Australian Racing Group who run TCR and GT. They were they were going to run events one or two weeks apart. There was a bit of an argument about having to give the other one clear air and, you know, give them a couple of weeks break, which was not going to work. So they've just gone, bugger it. Let's just have one big festival. And which is an amazing move and I'm can't wait. And we'll we'll talk a little bit about the support categories because it's basically a it's it's the greatest hits of Australian support categories, effectively. Basically, and everyone in motorsport is involved in this. It's even causing havoc for the commentary team and the organisers and all sorts. I should I should see if they needed an extra commentator. To, to well, they bring back Greg. They bring back Greg Rust. So, oh wow, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, love Rusty, but he's been out of commentary for a while now, hasn't he? Yeah, a few years. I still have to be doing ARG stuff, but... This is true. This is true. So, yeah. So, this week, we've got the Super Utes, which actually look good in their rebirth form now. Touring Car mm-hmm. Masters, which is everyone's... Uh, all the Bogan's favorite support category. Australian GT. TCR, which has been an incredible revelation in Australia. Trans Am Series. S5000. Uh, and uh, and the Supercars. So, that's... Yep. Did you mention Carrera Cup as well, doing a yeah. double round? The Carrera Cup uh, and the Toyota 86 series as well. Mm-hmm. And Super 2, that's what, six support, seven, eight support categories on top of the main game. It's, we've never seen anything, oh, I've never seen anything like it in Australia for such a long time. Especially I, at this level of motorsport. This is true. The only thing I can think of is about four or five years ago when Adelaide had seven support categories, like including the super trucks, including the old utes, the touring car masters that, and that was off the scale. But even then, like this is, this is a level above. Yeah. And this is, it does mean that every support category is pretty much going to race once a day, but every race is going to be worth watching and race. I think the first race is even as early as Wednesday afternoon. Even, yes, even before supercars have their first practice session. (laughs) What a wild, what a wild weekend it's going to be. Um, before, well, I mean, we'll leave that aside for now. And if you are able to catch any of the support action, either either through Superview or KO or whatever means you have available to you, I highly yeah. rec- highly recommend you do because uh, support categories have almost been as in- exciting and impressive as the main game for mo- for the most part throughout this season. But we should talk about what the what this season has held in terms of the supercars the the big movers the big shakers and mm. the surprise results because it's been it's been an odd season it's been incredibly odd and seeing how teams particularly in the last four rounds we've had what's that four five six nine ten or nine races with the cancellation at sydney and you've certainly seen some teams who are really strong at sydney really come to the fore so drivers like anton de pasquale's had a mega run lately yeah um Whereas the Tickford cars, they've they been... Tickford. They went full Tickford. They went full Tickford. And they've been doing that all season. They've been talking about taking massive swings and absolutely just taking the sledgehammer to cars to try and fix what their problems are. And they've been incredibly inconsistent. Um, surprise packets. People like Tim Slade, Blanchard Racing Team, New Kids on the Block, a privateer team, part-time mechanics who just come along the weekend for a fun, a true privateer entry. They're currently sitting 12th in the standings. And they've had ten, a couple of fifths, a couple of top, you know, nine top ten results throughout the season. 
and they should have taken almost a podium in the first race, uh, yeah. were it not for a, a gear shift issue at probably the worst part of the track at Bathurst. Yeah, which completely rushed off the chassis. This was after he put a top this... four in qualifying? Yeah, Tim Slade, he, uh, that was uh, it was a huge surprise packet at the beginning of the year mm. um, in the two 250k races at Bathurst. It was oddly reminiscent of Mostert's incident in the 2015 qualifying session except tim hidden didn't hit the inside wall first um in that mm. occasion but yeah shifted down got a false neutral buzzed the rears and just slammed the car into the wall of the cutting and it was yeah rode off a chassis in their first event and they were in third place it was quite uh quite sad quite shocking but it's good to see that they've after a, a kind of a rough run after that they've actually put things together properly in the mid part of the season. They're sitting, yeah, as you mentioned, in 12th in the championship. Yeah, but for me, this this season's seen about one driver and one team. Of course, Triple Eight Race Engineering and, of course, Shane Van Gisbergen. He has had the quite possibly the best year of his career, truth be told. Yeah, yeah. there's been two results outside the top 10, and both of those, there's a 13th at Hidden Valley, which came because they couldn't get a wheel off the car easily. And a 23rd at the second round at Sydney because he threw it off the road, then got a pit stop, a pit lane penalty that got rescinded, then his pit crew gave him another one. And he came home 23rd. And he came home 23rd. So, prob- yeah, the the, pro- the only problems for Van Gisbergen have been in the pits. Uh, yeah. That's been the only reason he's dropped outside of the 10 this year. Outside of that, he won the first six rounds of the season. On, on the back of Bathurst last year, as well mm. as two races in the Australian GT and the uh, New Zealand Grand Prix as well, he, he mm. went on a run, at, which was something like 12 races unbeaten to the start of the year, and then only got defeated by his teammate uh, and finished second in that one. Yeah. Do you think he's got a bit of pent-up rage that he can't go anywhere else to race this year? I oh, <laughs> I think he just loves racing. I think I, just everything he touches, he wants to win in. So, yeah. The, all up, that's 13, 14 races is one out of 28 we've had so far, I think it is. Uh, yes. So 20, 29 if we exclude the, the cancelled one from last round. So it has been all about Van Gisbergen this season. I just yeah. want to pick out one or two other big results uh, just to, uh, to add a bit of colour. I think the Sandown podium for Brody Kostecki was a huge yes. result uh, in terms of sort of re-legitimizing Erebus post-Davy Reynolds. Um, there was huge mm-hmm. question marks over Erebus at the beginning of the season. You know, they had uh, split with a driver that had signed a 10-year contract after a tumultuous season last year with the, the lockdown situation and engineers not being able to make events and really some really bad press to come in with two rookies in the form of Brody Kostecki and Will Brown, pick up a podium in the second round of the series and then have uh, the two the two rookies, Will Brown and Brody Kostecki, actually fighting each other in a really positive way and spurring each mm. other's on. And it's resulted in some great form at the back end of the season. And for Will Brown as well, he won. He's had his first win and he's actually had three podiums at the rounds at Sydney. So coming on strong at the right time of the season. Mm, absolutely. And another one I want to call out is Kelly Grove Racing. Um, Andre Heimgartner had his had a win this season, sort of out of nowhere at the bend. Yep. Um, and I think it bodes well for the future of that team because we talked about this. We're going to talk about this a bit more later, but the Kellys, Rick Kelly, Todd Kelly, they they've sold their team to Stephen Grove. 
and at the end of this year, they're gone. Stephen Grove has money. Yes. Yes, he does. And He has the money and the passion to turn this team into an absolute powerhouse if he wants to. And that'll be the question, whether or not he yeah. wants to and where, where we start from. Uh, of course, Stephen Grove, uh, regular listeners may know the Groves from either GT World Challenge Australia, um, where he mm-hmm. and his son run the Porsche, the Grove Porsche. Um, they also ran as a father-son duo at the uh, Motorsport Games uh, back in Vallelunga, I think. Came third? Where, yeah. Where they, uh, <laughs> um, yeah. And also, as an aside, Stephen Grove uh, tie, has tied the... Uh, most class wins at the Bathurst 12 hour um, oh, with his uh, with his four consecutive wins in Carrera Cup uh, the the B class yep so and is I think he's he is going to put a lot of effort into this because he's already set up a junior academy from karting he's got his eyes on a young Kiwi called Matt Payne who's going to be phenomenal if he can work his head around the car he has proven to be really quick but he's still a bit inconsistent. He's also 16, I think. Matt Payne's 16, really? I think he is. I think he's that oh young. Oh, my gosh. Check that. Hey, because I know Matt Payne from the Earl Bamba Motorsport stable because that's uh, mm. one of the drivers that uh, EBM have been pushing really hard in Carrera Cup. Yeah. So he's he's a driver for the future, and the Graves have got on him early, as he, as he has done for quite a few Kiwis, actually. Um. So yeah, he is, yeah, like Matt Payne, he's only been driving cars since 2020. My gosh, my gosh. <laughs> and he came first in the Toyota Racing Series earlier this year. So he is one for the future. Absolutely. So we'll keep eyes on where he ends up. And that's a name that people listening needs to remember. Matt Payne, P-A-Y-N-E. Remember. So Absolutely. shall we talk about the teams and drivers that will be contesting the Bathurst 1000 this year? We should absolutely talk about the 25 crazy people. Or 20, 20, well, 50 25 crazy, crazy cars, 50 crazy yeah. people. So yes. what, what we'll do is we'll go in reverse championship order. So we'll start from the bottom of the championship and work our way up to the big guns. Uh, mm-hmm. if, you're, if you're playing along at home, um, you can find the championship on the Supercars website um, at supercars.com. Uh, or what we're doing as well is I've got the results of the season up on Wikipedia um, so we'll be making reference to those. You mean uh, you haven't memorized everything ever? No, I haven't. I haven't memorized everything. See, the the three month break really threw me through a loop. I, I it got to the point as well where they'd say like car ninety six black and white flag for track limits. So I go car ninety six ninety six. Who's ninety six? Oh, but it's only McCauley Jones. So you wouldn't have paid attention to him anyway. I mean, this is. True, but you know, normally I have all those numbers dialed in and memorized by the end of the first race of the season because I've been marshalling it and I've been talking about in numbers the whole day. But like, you get, you get what I mean? A, a, a three month break is a long time. It is an absolutely long time. And these COVID restrictions that we talked about have actually played a lot of havoc with the driver lineup. Some teams have had to get last minute co drivers. Uh, we've had a wild card that was going to be here that we're not going to see anymore because, like, because, uh, because New the Zealand Kiwi drivers, yeah, basically because New Zealand drivers, Greg Murphy, Richard Stanaway can't get back home yeah. and not have to quarantine for two weeks, so they're out unfortunately. But we're still left with twenty-five incredible cars. Let's actually, I, I want to get your opinion on the the mm-hmm. Murphy Stanaway car, seeing as that things we've mentioned. I wasn't going to talk about this, but uh, Richie Stanaway was the darling of the supercars paddock in twenty. 
2017 when he was the co-driver for Cameron Waters and they won at Sandown. He put an incredible stint in in the wet at Bathurst. Uh, got a main game seat at Tickford, which went awfully, awfully. It was probably the worst season of uh, a driver, a, a hyped driver that I've ever seen. Went to Gary Rogers and fell out of love with the sport and completely dropped by the wayside, became a, a streamer effectively, which, you know, mm-hmm. nothing against streamers. It seems to have found some passion for it again. Uh, mm-hmm. Placed, I think, fourth or fifth in the V8 Scops iRacing Bathurst 1000 alongside Shane Van Gisbergen. Uh, and is he hasn't lost any of his talent, surely. And then on the other side, you've got Greg Murphy, two-time Bathurst 1000 winner, or sorry, three-time Bathurst 1000 winner, um, and uh, a one of the Kiwis' favourite sons. So uh, are you are you very disappointed that they've not been able to come along? I am. I'm also very disappointed because... Like, okay, I know we've given Boost Mobile and Peter Edderton a massive amount of grief in the past, but the fact he was willing to put his money behind this entry when no one else is really doing so at the moment... And wanting to front up. And the fact this came around because of a social media post. Let's forget that. This was, this was created in response to a social media post about another wildcard we'll get to. I'm so disappointed it's not here because I reckon they could have made ways. Yeah, absolutely. And it would, and it, and it would have been in an Erebus entry as well. And they've been proven to be quite handy this year. Yeah, that was what I was going to follow up with. It would have been Erebus running the car and they've hit their form at the right time. Uh, mm. And I, I think that would have been a good fit for that sort of entry, uh, a bit of a something that will allow them to sort of do it their way and enjoy it, but fly under the radar a little bit. Um, because yeah. the other wild card we'll talk about is very sort of prominent. Um, yeah, it would. It, it has been a shame. Of course, Murphy's last outing at Bathurst ended in a big wreck under the tree. Um, so he, for someone who has such a storied history at Bathurst with the lap of the gods as the center point alongside three wins, um, ending his career with a broken HRT under the, the tree. It's probably not how Greg Murphy wants to be remembered. No, he's got unfinished business here, which is funny to say for him. Exactly. <laughs> because he's accomplished so much, but maybe next year. Uh, I've heard rumors or talk that they want to try for 22. So That would be good. I'd love to yeah. see that. And hopefully April next year, the border reopens to New Zealand. Yep. Which is too late for me. Which is too late for me personally because I had the FES ready to go after Christmas. But they um hopefully April next year we'll be back to normal and we might see them. Fingers, arms, legs, toes, and eyes crossed. Okay, let's talk about the cars that are actually going to be here, and we'll start yeah. with Team Sydney. Uh, and I don't think anyone's been surprised by uh Team Sydney this year, which is, I mean, you know, it's uh, g- gestures vaguely at. Everything. Can you fire, fire up the Claxon? Team Shitney. <laughs> yeah, it's been bad. It's not been where they would have wanted to be. Of course, they had uh, Alex Davison and Chris Pither last year. It was meant to be James Courtney. And then that whole thing with sponsorship and payment was a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, they have had two cars this season. Uh, one of them is Fabian Coulthard, remember? Former DJR Team Penske driver who has finished in the top three four of the championship the past few seasons. He currently sits in 24th place in the, in the championship. Uh, and Gary Jacobson, who sits two positions further ahead in 22nd place. Uh, let's look at talk at Fab's 
and his co-driver Jono Webb, uh, who is Mr. Te- uh, Mr. Techno. Um, so they are plumb last on the standings. They've had six DNFs in that car, uh, and it has not been a happy season for the former uh, the former Penske driver. Yeah, and not a happy season at all for the team owner that not forget one had Shane Van Gisbergen not so long ago. And has won Bathurst not so long yes. ago. You know, uh, 2016 seems like a distant memory for, for John O'Webb mm. in that team because since uh, since losing Will Davison, since uh, the loss of Steve Hallam and the, the brain drain in Techno Autosports, uh, which has become Team Sydney, they've not been anywhere near those lofty heights. Yeah. And it's been a tough year for the team. Now, I'm not, I know... The last few years have been tough, but this year particularly for Team Sydney, they haven't really been based out of Sydney all that much. They've been operating out of Queensland for as much as I believe. That's where Techno Autosport are based. Yep. And the restrictions have hit them pretty hard as well. Uh, the Queenslanders, the Queensland board has been locked down a lot more than the New South Wales border for Victoria, for example. Yep. So they've had their own issues. They're, the team seems to be underfunded. It seems to be like it's just there just back markers cars seem underdeveloped really there's a reason these cars are day glow yellow they can see them as you're lapping them <laughs> oof that is a solid oof and what else is a solid oof Chris Fabian Cortard has had a best result of 13 this season they've not even managed to crack the 10 in the number 19 car that's for someone like Fabian Cortard as well that's that's not great. And, and you can see the frustration. He's been interviewed mm. a few times uh, at, in the uh, quadrant of Sydney events, and he has not held back his emotion in those interviews. He he uh, To go from the lofty heights of DJR Team Penske to Team Sydney and uh, to be you know languishing at the back of the field, it's you can see how pained he is because of that. Absolutely can, and it's just a massive hit to the pride, and I don't know, honestly, how much more he's got in it. Because well, I know, I know at DJR you said he was never fantastic. So I feel like, and he's what is he now? Thirty something? Thirty mid thirties? Thirty old? Yeah, thirty old. So his best days are behind him. I think, unfortunately, I can't see anywhere else for him to go apart from the exit door. Yeah, yeah that's. Uh... I, I've got a star rating system that I've been putting together in my notes, mm. and I've given this car in particular half a star. That's generous. I, I know, I know. Uh, what about the other car, the Gary Jacobson car? Uh, they haven't had the best of years either. They've had a best finish of 12th, so they are one position up on their team car. But on the flip side, they've also only had uh, three retirements through the year compared to Fabian's uh, six. Um Jacobson is driving with uh, Dylan O'Keefe, who uh, has been filling in in a few seasons this uh, series this year. He has uh, filled in in the Bostic Audi for Chaz Mostert when they've been uh, when there's been a conflict um, between Supercars and GT World Challenge Australia. Um, he's also driven the TCR. I believe he's with GRM in the Alfa Romeo, um, which is yeah. you know pretty good ride. But yeah. He hasn't really broken through yet, has Dylan O'Keefe. No, and the fact that he's not driving, I think, Super 2 this year is going to hurt him as well. Yep. Um, admittedly, that's only, what, four rounds to this point. But I just can't see much from this car. Although he is probably, the, for me, 
the most exciting driver of the four here. I mean, when, Jake, Jake, when your competition is Fabian Coulthard, John O'Webb and Gary Jacobson, yeah, that's not true. really much of a... <laughs> true, true. But Gary Jacobson, he seems like the driver... Like, I'm going to draw a comparison to Tim Blanchard here. Success, a bit of success in Super 2 just could not translate that to the main game. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I think Gary Jacobson is a good co-driver, but not a mm. good main game driver. Yeah. But let's not forget, he won Super 2 in 2016. So That was, such, had... that was such a long time ago. And, he, and if mm. in that, though, there had been, you know, big classes of, of drivers step up to the main game, and he wasn't really ever in one of them, even after he won the championship. So, you know, he's he's actually a lot older than you think. He's 27 years old, which in, you know, young racing, uh, like rookie racing driver terms is ancient. Yeah. So he'll he'll hang around. He won't do anything stupid, but he won't set the time of screens on fire. I've given that but, team one star, mostly well, off the back of O'Keefe. <laughs> so what we're saying is if, you, if you're a betting man or woman put your money elsewhere yeah and there's plenty of other opportunities we'll move on to Matt Stone Racing next um, they have had a, a, a good mix of uh, decent results um, for their two drivers Zane Goddard and Jake Kostecki so this uh, this car was of course the um, super light entry last year so they had half the rounds Goddard did half the rounds Jake Kostecki did then with um Jacobson, in fact, moving over to Team Sydney, they've been able to employ both drivers full-time. Uh, let's talk about the number 20 car. Well, they're actually almost exactly aligned in the championship as well. They're separated by something like 70 points uh, between the two cars. So let's talk uh, Zane Goddard first, and he's driving with um, Jaden Ojeda, which is a, a name that does roll off the tongue very, very well. <laughs> Uh, Zane's picked up two top tens this year, which is pretty, uh, pretty nicely done. Uh, those were at, uh, the bend, uh, was that at the bend or is that no, at, uh, Simmons Plains, uh, the first one. And then more recently at the first round, uh, of the first race of the third Sydney event. I think for me, the impressive thing about Zane Goddard, he's finished every race. Yes. Yes, indeed. For for a rookie in the season or in the championship, that's actually really good. A rookie, what he's had half a season and now this. That in itself is actually pretty impressive. And what they say about it's what the best thing you can do is beat your teammate. He's currently doing that. And we'll get into that because I think there's a few caveats in that. But uh, it's a good good uh, start to the season for Zane. Um, well, start to the season. We're at the last round, but he he has been consistent. Um, Jaden Ojeda as well. He after picking up a first win in Super 2, I think last season, he's moved on to uh, pretty good things, and he's in a second, a third in the championship, rather, behind the two best drivers of the season so far, Brock Feeney and Zach Best. Yeah, and he's, it's his second year in Super 2. Uh, he's improving year on year. Last year was fourth overall. This year's, year, like I said, third currently. It's actually going to be a second Bathurst start as well. He paired up with Tyler Everingham last year. Remember that wild card? Did that come Rodney? together? Yeah, last year. Tyler Everingham and and Jaden Jody came together. He came home nineteenth. I I legitimately did do not remember that, like at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you don't remember the, the the fancy car scheme, but yeah, no. So um, I I'm I think Jaden Jade is one for the future. Oh, absolutely. Uh, he need, he, needs, he needs a bit more time, I think. He's a, he's only what twenty two, so I think he needs a little more more time to mature properly. 
So I don't think we're going to get fantastic results from this pairing this year, but he's a name definitely to keep an eye out for when he is on track. I've given uh, the number 35 car 1.5 stars. So we're, we're going up the grid so slowly. If you keep this transition up, by the time we get to the end, you'll be at 17 stars. Well, I mean, we'll see. Uh, <laughs> the other car in the MSR garage is the uh, Cousins Kostecki, Jake and Kurt. Um, so uh, they've... Uh, Jake's been quite good this season in patches. He took home a fifth place at Hidden Valley in the first race there. So that was the big marquee result for the team was that fifth place. He's also had a disqualification at Townsville and a non-finish in the last round, uh, uh, the last race of the second Sydney event. Um, uh, Kurt as well, he quite, hasn't quite made the transition that Jake and uh, Brody has. Um, but he did run a few wild cards through the season and actually picked up a sixth place at Hidden Valley as yeah. well as a wild card. Yeah, those wild cards with the Walker Draw and Dreddy team. Yep. So I I do think these are these are numbers two and three from the Kostiki clan. Yep. I think that's that I think that's pretty plain to see. But again, I'm gonna put them in the solid, if not spectacular, for now. I, I think Honestly, I don't think these two are ever going to reach the heights that Brody does or is likely to reach. So, or has. Or has or will, or will, you know, any of those words. Yeah. So I think, yeah, this is probably 15th or it'd probably be where I'd say these guys will finish up. What do you reckon? This car or the Zane and uh, Jaden car? Toss up for me. They are- but they're both very even. Mm, aggressively even. I think the yeah. only the only uh, plus or the only differentiating, uh, differentiating factor is that Kurt has experience in a supercar this year in the main game, whereas Ojeda mm. doesn't. I think that's the only real difference you can pull between them. Um, but even in saying that, I've given this car a one star. So Yeah. And of course, Jada and Jada have been driving Super 2 in the Nissan. So... But Super 2 have only really had two rounds this season or three this rounds. Is true. Yeah, so it's, it's hard to say. It is. Well, a couple of unknown cars, I think, is the best way to put it. Yeah, pretty much. Um, expect, expect, don't expect much from this team, though. Let's put it that way. Yeah. I, I, as unfortunate as this is to say, Matt Stone Racing are still finding their feet. And I mm-hmm. actually just want to pose a quick question for you. Where to now for MSR? They've been uh, they've run the super light. They run one car. They've got two dri- two new drivers next year. You know, um, mm-hmm. we didn't really want to talk about next year, but they will have Todd Hazelwood returning to this team. Where to now? Are they going to be a perennial backmarker, or are they going to start making strides through the field? Well, I think what they need is experience to help guide the setup, and that's what they're going to get next year with Todd and Jack LeBrock. Okay, maybe not be that much experience. But they've had a few years in the system now. So being able to bring that knowledge back to the team will prove beneficial. So I do think slow progression up the grid next year should be expected. If they can find themselves in the top 10 of the team championship, I think they'd be happy enough with that. Awesome. That's a good, reasonable take. I love it. Um, next, Unusual. Uh, it's especially, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next cab off the rank is the Kelly Grove Racing Team. We've already made mention of the Kellys leaving at the end of the season, so it will become the Grove Racing Team next year. Um, but for the moment, it is still Kelly Grove. Uh, and they've had what you could best call a, a mixed season. So, uh, we'll, do we want to start with... Where do we want to start with Kelly Grove? 
let's start with Cast 7, shall we? Because that's the one I'm much more excited about. Absolutely. So, <laughs> so this is going to be Andre Heim- Heimgartner and Matt Campbell. Now, Matt Campbell, of course, all of our Endurance Chat uh, fans will be very, uh, very familiar with this name. Has been a Porsche factory driver for the last few seasons. Won Petit Le Mans. Won the Sebring oh, oh, Corvette. Spoilers. Huh? Spoilers, I haven't finished watching Petit Le Mans it's yet. It's been three weeks! It's been got... three... Okay, okay, okay. I still got five hours to go. Okay, okay, okay. That's fine. Okay, that's fine. I'll let... Um, but it's also, you know, won the Bathurst 12-hour, taken pole of the shootout at the Bathurst 12-hour, and was given his first co-driving opportunity by the Kellys with Todd Kelly back in 2016. So this is kind of a full circle for Matt Campbell mm. in that team. Um. Andre has had a race win this season, but really nothing else. It's been a really weird year for the team. Yeah. The, uh, I I don't know what to make of it because, yes, they had that win, but it was under unique circumstances with a bit of weather in the air. And since then, I remember watching it going, oh, this car's actually get the right conditions and they're going to be good. But they've done nothing else since. And even the wet races at Sydney, they were... Okay, they weren't terrible, but they weren't as far up the field as I thought they were going to be. Well, I mean, you say they weren't terrible, but like they were pretty close. A, a seventh mm. place is their best result in you know, of the Sydney, the four Sydney rounds. Um, mm. So it's they're very solidly nowhere, is what I'd yeah. put it. Besides that one race win. Now, Matt Campbell is probably uh, I'll put him up there as the top one of the top five co-drivers. In oh. this field, he's one of the top ten GT drivers at the moment. Absolutely, I'll I'll pay that as well. Uh, where do we see this combination in combination with the team? Because I, I think, of course, this is a very big transitional year for the team, going from mm. the Kelly Racing operation to Kelly Grove to Grove. Where do we do we do we see this team having the engineering now, the pit stop prowess, the the setup? capabilities to be able to run with the front runners across a thousand Ks? No. Do we see, I don't, the, I do we see don't the drivers? So. Oh, for sure. Andre Heimgardner is a great driver who's been doing exceptional things with equipment that's not quite there and at times. And Matt Campbell, well, he's he's all right. So the drivers are great. I think that it's the team in the car that's going to let them down. Where do we Where do we see them placing then? Look, I'll be nice and give them a top 10. I've actually given this car three and a half stars. I reckon they're going to be the, one of the dark horses. Okay. Well, maybe love, look, maybe I'd, that's I'd love, maybe that's on hope rather than actual yeah. sense. I'd love that, to see it. That's my heart saying that. My heart bleeds for Matt Campbell. I'm actually wearing my Porsche Motorsport shirt right now. My heart. Matt Campbell, you have my heart. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think next year will be the real litmus, litmus test for Andre. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully. And, of course, he's going to Walkinshaw next year, partnering with Chaz yeah. Mostert. So, happy... To- oh, no. Sorry. No, he's not. He's going back to Brad Jones Racing, the team that mm. gave him his second chance, effectively. Yeah. Um, so, if he, if he can do something at Brad Jones, I reckon he'll be absolutely... This is his best chance because, yeah, Kelly Grove, let's, almost like they're having a fresh start. Mm. Uh, they're keeping one driver who we'll get to in a second. And, like I said, with Matt Payne in the wings and their junior karting academy the foundations for a really solid team going forward. Absolutely. Let's talk about that second car. Davey oh, Reynolds okay. and Luke Yildon. 
Chris? David Reynolds. Yep. Did I? Yep. David Reynolds, you anti-vaxxing piece of shit. Piss off. Pretty much. That's all I want to say. That's all I want to say about this car. So, so for those out of the loop, uh, part of the condition of entry for Sydney Motorsport Park was that all the drivers, all the crews, all the fans, everyone at the track had to be double vaxxed. There was a process in which David Reynolds got a exemption to the vaccine, which was found to be uh, not falsified, but knocked back or something along those lines. Basically, he got an exemption and he shouldn't have, and they investigated it and they kicked him out. And so he didn't race the last two rounds of, or the middle two rounds of the Sydney uh, quadrant because of Mm -hmm. that. And everyone has kind of come around to the fact that Reynolds is a bit of a dick. (laughs) Yeah. And, and Yulden has been aggressively unimpressive. He got given the car for two rounds. Like it's hard to, to really uh, gauge uh, Yulden's pace because, you know, you get thrown in the deep end for two weekends and then, whip out straight as uh, just as quickly so hard to sort of gauge but yeah honestly honestly this car has not been impressive at all david reynolds best results are third place and that was early on at i think that was sandown sandown yeah yeah apart from that is that a fifth place at townsville but nothing else yeah and i here's an interesting question to post to you chris mm-hmm. was winning the 2017 bathurst 1000 the worst thing to happen in David David Reynolds' career, did it, is, for, is this, for for his career, was that the worst possible thing that could have happened for the rest of his career? If the question you're asking is, did it inflate his ego to a point where it actually affected his on track performance? The answer is most certainly, unequivocally, yes. I agree. He, yeah, he is just ever since that he's just absolutely collapsed in a heap. Uh, it, and we've we've seen it before, like. <laughs> You have these life-changing moments on track and suddenly you just, or in anything, and you suddenly don't reach those highs again. Yeah, it's been a bit of a, a, a you know, Shakespearean tragedy with uh, with Reynolds because, you know, he was always, you know, the, the, the larrikin of the paddock, someone who was, you know, there or thereabouts occasionally in the championship fight, but, you know, was always there for a good laugh and you could get some uh, something mm. funny out of him. But winning at Bathurst... As much as it was a surprise, well, not not necessarily a surprise, but as much as it was a good result, it kind of elevated him to, you know, people were all of a sudden talking about him as a championship contender, and it was massive media pressure and team pressure, and he signed a 10-year deal with Erebus, which lasted, let's remind everyone, two years, and yeah. just the, the scrutiny that he was put under, uh, it made, it kind of opened everyone's eyes to the fact that Reynolds wasn't the persona, always the persona that we got to see of him. And yeah, I, I, and I think my eyes were open up to him because he has his podcast, be, you know, below the bonnet, right? Yeah. My eyes were open up to the fact he was a bit of a dick when he had on that show, took Paul Murray, who is incredibly right wing. Wow. And he was talking about how he was at the protests in Melbourne and observing, which I don't believe for a second. Yep. Yeah. So, um, and as far as I'm concerned, he can, he can piss off because we've got another larrikin in the grid who we'll talk about later who's a breath of fresh air and he's filled his larrikin shoes nicely. Yeah, and we'll get to that uh, when we do get to that. So, Davy and Yulden, zero stars, don't really care. <laughs> Andre and Campbell, I, give, I gave three and a half stars. So, we'll hopefully see that car move their way up to the grid. Yep. The it's first... a shame. It's, it's a waste of talent. That's it all is. I'm say. It is indeed. 
Um, the next car is the first of our, well, I think the only um, single car team of the season. Uh, Tim and Tim, the Cool Drive Blanchard Racing Team, Tim Slade and Tim Blanchard. Uh, we've made mention already about how that team started in the first race of the season at Bathurst. Uh, unfortunately, the podium hasn't eventuated for Tim Slade throughout this season, but he did take a fourth at the, the first race of the second round at Townsville. Um, what do we make of Blanchard Racing and the the Tim and Tim combination? As, um, as James Courtney called it on broadcast last weekend, Team Tim. I Honestly, this this has been the surprise packet of the season for me, as we talked about earlier. And... Tim Slade, okay, his last few results haven't been fantastic, but he's been there and there about the top 10. Like I said, he's currently 12th in the championship after missing two races, at, after not scoring in the Bathurst round at all because the car didn't make race two. So I I like what he can do as a driver. I'm less sure about Tim Blanchard. He's one of those co-drivers we, when we alluded to him before. He never really made the step from Super 2 to the main game. And He'll be solid, but I don't think he'll be overly spectacular. That you, you pretty much are you, have you got a copy of my notes? That's pretty <laughs> much exactly what I wrote down. No, oh, is that your, your window? Why are you wearing any pants? Hey, it's it's the weekend, man. It's sunny. It's the weekend. Get off my back. Um, Get off my lawn. <laughs> so, <laughs> one of the things that's been a, a bit concerning for me, concerning from a racing standpoint, is that they haven't, after that first weekend, they haven't really had the same sort of flair since. It's been very sort of work, journeyman like, workman like. You know, they've gotten decent results. You know, Tim has a, a fourth place and a fifth place, a, a pair of fifth place, but it hasn't really been that same wow factor that we saw at the first round of the I, series. I think a lot of that does come into the team dynamic, though. Hmm. Because it's a part-time team. They're doing this as a hobby. They don't have, like, even in their pit stops, we've seen they're regularly two or three seconds slower than the competition. And that's because they don't put in the time to train because they don't have the time to train. That's exactly right. And they are also uh, part of the Tickford Racing Stable. So they're they're supported in very, very, very big inverted commas by Tickford. So they... um, share equipment with Tickford uh, and et cetera, et cetera. They share a pit, bo- pit boom with Tickford as well. Um, mm-hmm. And the incredible thing about that, just as an aside, is that Blanchard Racing Team is ahead of two of the Tickford Racing cars, <laughs> which is pretty great. And shows how bad Tickford have been. But I'll just back on Tim Blanchard. I do want to mention he has raced in Super 2 this year as a wild card in the 88. Two podiums at Townsville. I wanted to get to that as well because, you know, we did love to rag on Blanchard in the past when we were doing Supercars chat and our various Bathurst 1000 previews. Um, but when he came and did the, the wild card last year at Barbagallo and was very comfortably mid-pack and pushing the guys at the end of the top 10, that was a huge surprise. And <laughs> it shows that Blanchard actually has some pace. Um, yeah. Maybe maybe he just didn't have the engineering behind him when he was in the fourth car at Brad Jones which is quite possible. Uh, his engineering team, has he, I'm pretty sure he's got a decent name in there too this year. Oh, I don't know off the top of my head. Yeah, I'm just I'm just having a quick Google. But yeah, I think like, because this is, you know, Cool Drive is the Blanchard family business. I think he got caught up in running that and potentially didn't, um, you know, focus too much on his racing career. Quite possibly, um, but it's good to see. Well, hopefully they've got a good result in them this time. I've given them two you know, stars. I don't. You know, I don't... 
you know what I just thought of? What? Parallels with Paul Dumbrell. Yes, actually, yes. Very good point. Paul Dumbrell. When he was running Autobahn and he was driving by himself, he wasn't fantastic. Get him as a co-driver, he just turned it on. To be fair, though, he was as a co-driver in Triple Eight Race Engineering with the likes of Jeremy Law and uh, uh, you know Matt, Mark Dutton and David Couchy riding that car alongside quite literally the goat. So, True. You, know, you know, potato That's tomato still- in that respect. But not too bad. I, I did give that car only two stars because I don't quite think that they have the outright pace to match the other bigger teams that we're going to get to, but I wouldn't be surprised to see them nab a top 10. And in fact, I'd be very happy with that. Yeah, so would I. And it'll cap off what's been a pretty good debut season for them. Absolutely. Uh, we'll move on to one of the more established teams now, Team 18, the Charlie Schwerkolt Racing Team, uh, which have been fielding the two cars for uh, Mark Winterbottom and Scott Pye throughout the season. They comfortably sandwich the back end of the top 10, with Frosty in 9th and Scott Pye in 11th. Uh, let's talk about Pye first, because I think he's got probably the more exciting co-driver. Uh, so Scott Pye, he was strong at Sydney Motorsport Park, uh, taking home, uh, I think that's five top 10 results across the uh, what, 10 races, 11 races in the end. Mm-hmm. So that's a pretty decent return. Uh, he's had a best result this season of uh sixth or fifth sorry at sydney motorsport park in the second uh, race which was i think the one that started getting a bit rainy in the middle uh but he's been paired up with uh a maybe a forgotten face in the supercars paddock uh james golding beaver beaver's back baby isn't he had a massive haircut too so he no longer looks like a beaver oh that was part <laughs> of the best meme though but yeah he's been spending his spending his time in tcr this year and from, super, super 5000. Five yeah. Because if I recall correctly, Golding, of course, he raced with Gary Rogers uh, in the mm. when he was in the main game. Uh, and he's a contracted factory Gary Rogers driver, which means that, you know, where Gary races TCR and also run like services the whole grid of Super 5000s, uh, yeah. of course, he's been making waves there. Yeah. And he's, yeah, been making great mo- Great ways. Actually, no, I don't, has he been in TCR? No, I don't think he has this year. Okay. It was last year. It was last year, I think it was in TCR. Um, TCR has somehow probably had a more truncated season than the supercars, though, so... Yeah. So, I really am excited by what he brings to the table. I'm so... I'm so... I don't know if disappointed is the right word, but the fact that he hasn't got himself a full-time gig, I think it's a bit of a shame, because he's actually great fun to have in the paddock as well. Yeah. But... I think the more important thing to you is he's got a great co-driver and, you know, this is just a great combination. This is they, true. They work well together. Uh, Scotty Pye, he won't put a foot wrong. Bieber won't put a foot wrong. Team 18 have done very well this season and the team dynamic they've got is incredible. It, yeah, it looks like everyone is working towards the same hmm. goal at Team 18. Yeah. Like, I think Charlie Schwerkot was saying, when, when the pandemic shut, he just had, instead of standing his team down, he put them to work in the forklift shop. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so, you know, they're working on forklifts in the downtime, which is fantastic. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's pretty fun. Uh, I, I, Pi, of course, has a, a podium at Bathurst, driving with Walkinshaw um, in the 50th anniversary of Brock's first win car. 
Mm-hmm. Was that two, two or three years ago? Uh, twenty was it twenty eighteen? He's actually had two consecutive podiums as well. There you go. So uh, Pi certainly has the chops at Bathurst. Um, and mm. someone else who has the chops at Bathurst is, of course, Mike Winterbottom, uh, winning in 2015, 15, 15, um, uh, with what was back then Pro Drive Racing. Uh, he's driving with uh, Caruso. What's his first name? Michael. Michael Caruso. There you go. <laughs> for, some, for some reason, I was thinking Mark. I'm like, no, that's Winterbottom. Michael Caruso. Uh, I... I'd love to see, um, as much as I love Caruso, I don't think he has the same wow factor as some of the other co-drivers. Not necessarily that you need the wow factor, because on the other hand, you have years and years and years and years and years years of experience. Um, But it it is missing that sort of wow factor. I want to care more about this car, because it's, you know, at the start of the season, it took home three consecutive top five results. And has been, you know, there or thereabouts for most of the season. It's in the top 10, but there's no... Wow. Yeah. And of course, well, there is a little wow. Like Mark Winterbottom finished at the races at the first of the season, Mount Brown around 500, fourth and fifth. Which is pretty good. Which is pretty good. But I, I do get what you mean, because if you look at Cruz's results in TCR, where he's been playing his trade this year, he's... Sort of languishing down in thirteenth in the in the championship at the moment. Yeah, Admittedly, that's, that's, that's not, a very, it could be as high as eighth if it wasn't for disqualification. But yeah, well, yeah, but still, that's not very wow, is it? No, it's not. It's it's something about I I think Frosty's just been missing some sort of cutting edge this season. That's that's sort of what it's been like to me, and and it seems that uh, it's very rare that Team Eighteen have gotten both the cars. Mm. In the right window at the same time, I like it. Just it just seems to me that yeah, if if I have another proper look through the through the results of the season, they've not really had both cars at the pointy end at the same time all that consistently. Yeah, and that's a and that's not the first team we've mentioned that problem with. Like Walkinshaw last year had the same problem. Yeah, it's very hard to do. Uh, so how have you rated these teams? I I do think the twenty is the better combo. Okay, well, I was going to ask you for that. Uh, yeah, I agree. Um, I gave uh, Team 18, the number 18, I gave them two and a half stars. Um, mm-hmm. I think they'll be solid, but I don't expect them to be wow. Um, and I gave number 23 stars, mostly be- because I am I have that wow over Golding. So. Fair enough. But I reckon, look, if we can get one of these cards in the top in the top five, that'd be a fantastic result. I, I agree. I agree. That would be right up there with the very best. Uh Erebus uh, has been showing that they deserve to be up there with the very best. Uh, and they have the two cars, number nine and number 99, uh, of Will Brown and Brody Kostecki, respectively. They also sit at the tail end of the top 10. But the difference, I think, between Erebus and uh, Team 18 is that when Erebus have had a chance to do something amazing, they've gone and done something amazing. And nothing can be more a, a testament to that than... Uh, the recent race win at the last race in uh, the third Sydney event for Will Brown. He took his debut race win. Uh, Admittedly, there were some mitigating factors with the Red Bulls intentionally tripping over each other, which was a bit of a laugh. But that was was a result that has been coming and it finally finally came for them. And hell hell yeah, hell yeah it did. 
You say there were mitigating factors. Let's not forget the first race of that weekend, he came in third behind Di Pasquale and Van Gisbergen and ahead of Winkup. So that first place, yes, okay, the Bird Boys might have tripped over each other, but it was still incredibly well-deserved. And he's had three podiums at Sydney this year now. And he's just a lovable character. Did you watch practice one from the last round by any chance? No, no, I didn't. And I couldn't because I was uh, working and then was out basically all that night. So I couldn't catch up on it afterwards. Okay. But he's basically, I, I, I heard many, 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 many good things about it. Uh, I yeah. saw his, his attempt at the, the tech talk. <laughs> yes. That was hilarious. And if you haven't seen that, I'm pretty sure the supercars have posted that on YouTube. Yeah. That was hilarious. Yeah, all because the regular pit reporters were all in cars at the time. So it was a great, great thing for him. And honestly, I think he's been learning off his co-driver as well. Yeah, so his co-driver is Jack Perkins. Uh, mm. And I I'd actually rate Perkins as one of the best co-drivers in the field. And like again, it's someone that didn't really break through when it came to the main game. Um, only got his first supercars win as a co-driver for James Courtney at Gold Coast, if I recall correctly. But what Perkins brings to the team is engineering experience. Not that, you know, they need engineering experience, but, you know, someone who knows how to set up a car really well and knows how to uh, communicate with the the engineers and the, mm. the mechanics and experience and, and driving experience. Yeah, and let's not forget, he's been racing around cars all his life because you can guarantee Larry would have dragged him around everywhere. And his his grandfather as well. I forget yeah. uh, what his name was, but, you know, Grandfather Perkins was a, a race yeah. driver as well. Yeah, and really, Jack Perkins' career only stopped because of health issues. That's the only reason it sort of fell away. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, he, and, he ran, and he, you know, he had, what, six years off in the middle, it was just a couple of years off in the middle um, dealing with various issues. and. If it wasn't for that, I reckon he'd still be at him. And now he's got commentating on Channel 7. He's doing his commentary thing. He's been in the pit lane for supercars. And, he, and he's he very he's very well spoken. And he's got, of course, yeah. the Perkins Engineering YouTube channel as well, where he'll break down mm-hmm. certain things. So when there was that uh, the fire in his car at Townsville, he actually went back and we I talked about that fire in Townsville uh, maybe somewhere, maybe in a marshalling podcast that I did, but... Uh, Basically, the the reason that that fire was able to get as much of the car as it did was because there was a a, a lack of access to that post with fire extinguishers uh, available. Um, And so he actually went back to his garage and broke down the fire uh, extinguishing capabilities of a race car, what you have on hand versus what you would have uh, nearby in terms of the marshalling. So he's a very incredibly well-spoken character um, and I think is a great partner to the lovable Will Brown. Yeah. And I think this is a, a great contrast in what you want from a team. You're gonna have you've got Will Brown who's gonna who's not afraid to put the car where he needs to to try to get a pass done and just be aggressive and do that. And Jack Perkins who you know is going to bring the car home in one piece at a fast clip. So I reckon this car could easily finish top five. I I've put them at a three and a half star. And to be fair, I've only given one car four stars and one car five stars. So three and a half star is effectively best of the rest in my, in my noting. And that's what the championship sort of says about Will Brown as well. Exactly. Exactly right. He is comfortably in that battle pack at the tail end of the top 10. Uh, And I think with Perkins, that is a solid car. I, I, 
see them in a top five position, certainly. Yeah, absolutely. What about the other car? What about the other Erebus car? Brody Kostecki has shown glimpses as well. He took home a second place, a very, very well-worked second place at Sandown at the very beginning of the season. Uh, took a third at the beginning of the Sydney swing uh, and then fourth at the second race of that. And But, but then it hasn't really quite captured the same uh, same form. Uh, had an accident with James Courtney in the night race at Sydney 2. Um you know, it has been there or thereabouts. He's behind Will Brown in the championship, uh, and he, I, I, and he's driving with uh, David Russell as well, which kind of matches the 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 pairing with Will Brown and Perkins, a, a very experienced head um, who has a, a great mechanical mind and will be consistent. Yeah, and this car was meant to have Ash Walsh in it, I do believe. Okay. Um, Similar sort of got, deal. Yep, but he got stuck in Queensland because of the borders. So wow, wow. David Russell's been drafted in. I, look, he's not going to do anything wrong. He's been doing this for longer than I've been alive. Really? No. Not, well, maybe not, but a long time anyway. It, it, feel, it feels that way. Remember yeah. remember when he was driving with uh, Cameron Waters and Chaz Mostert did a dive bomb on him at the chase and broke the steering and ruined that car's race? Yes. Yes. Poor dude. But yeah, yeah like... Russell is solid, if not boring. Like yeah, he yeah, is he, metronomic, which which sometimes you want as a co-driver because Brady Kostecki he's learning his craft. He's going to make a mistake because this is what his first full-time season. Yes, yes, indeed. Yeah. In fact, remember last year uh, he was co-driving with Anton Di Pasquale and had that great battle with mm. a few of the main game drivers. And so you know his heroics at Bathurst is still going to be fresh in everyone's mind. He's going to be very difficult to pass. Yeah, uh, no doubt. And I, I still think this cut, he's probably one or two years away from really setting Bathurst alight or setting supercars alight. But the fact we're saying that he's going to is enough in my mind to say this car is going to have a reasonable result, but it's certainly not as good as the number nine. Yeah, I I tend to agree. I gave Brody and Russell three stars, uh, and I I think they'll be firmly in the top 10 for most of the race. I can't disagree. Uh <laughs> Let's talk about the, the two halves of the Brad Jones Racing Stable. So we'll start with the less impressive side first. Uh, we've got the number four, uh, Jack Smith and David Wall car, and then the number 96, uh, Macca Jones and Chris Pitha car. Meh. That's, again, have you, are you reading my notes? Bro. Did you just write, did you just write meh, dot, 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 dot? I, I, for for Macca and Pitha, yeah, yeah, I did. I wrote meh. Because somehow they're behind Jack Smith in the championship. Yeah, and that's come down to one, two, three, seven retirements for Macca. Which is, you know, too many. Yeah. Um, he'll, be, he'll be racing around next year because, you know, daddy's money. Can you yeah. burn it? Nepotism. And Chris Pitha ain't all that. Yeah. So, meh, I gave them one star. I also gave Smith and Wall one star. And my only note for them is they're somehow ahead of Macaulay Jones. Yeah. Having said that, I think Jack Smith gave his first interview I've ever seen on TV. Actually quite well spoken. You know what? I don't believe you. <laughs> <laughs> I like I I'm sure I'm sure he is. I'm sure it's like he's fine and he's a good dude and whatever, but like he his best result is 16th this season. And you know, yeah. when when he made the graduation from Super 2, his best result in Super 2 was 7th. And like that's yeah. that's not good enough. It's not. These these guys are both burning, burning parents' money. Yeah. I gave them both one star. 
Yeah, that's yeah. Can we move on, please, to the exciting cars? Absolutely. The exciting cars of Brad Jones Racing. The number fourteen car, Todd Hazelwood and Dean Fiore. It's it's been a hot and cold season for for Todd Hazelwood. Um, he's had some really impressive moments, but they just haven't been converted to impressive results you know his best result was a fourth at townsville too in fact he got mm. three top tens at the the second round at townsville um but it just you know it, that's been contrasted with you know a 23rd and a 26th uh at sydney uh, the sydney second round and you know the first half of the mm. season he didn't he got one top 10 before before that good run at townsville so you know it's it's hot and cold is really the only way you can describe Todd Hazelwood season. I wouldn't. I wouldn't even go that far. I'd say it's been, apart from that stretch of Townsville, it's been basically cold. Yeah. Um, he's he has sort of struggled a bit, and I just don't know what to make of it. Like, we know he's a he's a great driver. He's got a lot of promise, but he just hasn't been able to turn it on yet. And I think that's part of the reason why he's shifting teams next year. I I, I definitely agree. Uh, on that note, uh, I think. In contrast with, say, Erebus, where they've had, when Erebus have had opportunities, they've taken it and they've seized it and they've gotten something out of it. When Hazelwood in particular has gotten opportunities, it's gone a bit awry. There's been a problem yeah. in the pits, which is very unlike Brad Jones racing, let's let's say, um, or there's just been a lack of pace or they've you know had a mistake in qualifying or something's gone awry, which has seen that car... And, you know, head into the last round of the championship in 14th place. Yeah. And his co-driver for the Steen Fiori, he's another name that's been around for donkey's years and hasn't really achieved anything spectacular. Like, I think he's had a best result at Bathurst of six last year. And yeah. With Scotty Pye. But really, it's been a lot of um, nothing burger since before then. Yeah, like I've got written written down, Fiori is like fine. He's fine. Yeah, he'll bring the car back. That's fine. Um, one thing I do want to say though about Brad Jones Racing is that their pit stops have been consistently the best pit stops of oh. the entire grid. If there's and one the ha- thing, if there's one thing Brad Jones does well, it's pit stops. And it's been that way for a number of years. They have the pit stop challenge every year at Bathurst that they always seem to clean up on. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I liken it to the New Zealand cricket team. They might not be the most technically proficient or the most, um, or the, you know, the most flamboyant, but they just get the basics right. See, you, you say that, but currently the New Zealand cricket team is the only team that's made it to the finals in all three formats. Yeah, because they got the basics right. Yeah, that's 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 fair. I, I think they're, they're more they're more better than you say than you're being. You, you need to be kinder than New Zealand cricket. Maybe, team. maybe, maybe it was about maybe, the. Maybe you could say that about the New Zealand team ten years ago. Maybe I'm just used to the ten years of Daniel Vittori being being uh, being the New Zealand cricket team. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, moving yeah. <laughs> on. Um, the other the other team uh, the other driver pairing at Brad Jones Racing. This is the probably the most impressive one is Nick Percat and Dale Wood. Now Percat has probably been the most unlucky driver this uh, season in terms of race results. He's deserved a victory this season. Yes. In fact. Uh, I was going to, about to say he's the only player, a racer in the top seven who, or the top eight who doesn't have a race victory, but there's another driver that we'll talk about uh, later on. Um, but he's deserved a, a victory this season, and the fact that he took pole position in the shootout for the washed out last race at Sydney kind of exemplifies yeah. his season in a nutshell. Yeah, he's had, 
he's actually put together a really good season and the sort of season we know he's got it he was had in him. And okay, he hasn't had that he hasn't had that race win, but he I reckon he is primed for a good for a good result at Bathurst and if it wasn't for his co-driver, I'd happily put this car on the podium. Yeah, now Dale Wood is perfectly solid. Um remember he was the co-driver for uh Scott McLaughlin when McLaughlin was at Volvo and mm-hmm. uh, uh that one year that Alex Premer was with Shane Van Gisbergen for some reason. Yep. But I I don't again similar to Caruso, uh he's just kind of boring. Like he's solid, yeah. that's fine. It'll be he'll bring the car home. It'll be down to Percat to do a lot of the legwork, but that's fine. That's fine. He can, Percat's good enough to do the legwork. And he's let's not forget he's won here. This is true. He's won here. He took a race win on debut. Yeah. <laughs> let's not forget that point. So And it's gonna be his last race with the team as well before he makes a big move next year. So he'll want to finish on a high and I reckon Maybe top five might be achievable for this team. I've given this car three and a half stars. I this is my my dark horse provided that you know Brad Jones things don't happen to Brad Jones. Yeah, it's Brad Jones and Bathurst go together like chalk and salmon. I mm, I know don't, don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> like Brad Jones, he's just never had the luck here ever. Racing career, team owner career, you name it. Yeah, it's been it's just not gone well. So hopefully Brad Jones things don't happen to Brad Jones at Bathurst. Uh mm. and and Nick Perkat can bring home a good result. He is really uh, apart from, you know, the top group of 6 which uh, you know are uh, all the the normal names you'd expect. He has been the best of the rest this season, you know. Mm. He 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 sits not comfortably in 7th place, but he leads that battle pack at the tail end of the top 10. So he he'd be he has deserved a victory this season, and it would be wild if he got it at Bathurst. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, it'd be in his last race with the team before he moves back to his where he moves back to where he got his start. Yeah, wow, a lot of a lot of people coming through so uh, through um, uh, full circle here. Yeah, well, I was going to mention this at the start of the fifty drivers here, or twenty five teams, twenty three are new combinations, and I think something like twelve are on the move next year. Hot damn! It's, that, and that's absolutely, a lot. It's absolutely crazy. Yeah, okay, and and, and and big teams too, which we'll get to soon. Well, we'll get to one of them straight away. Uh, Tickford Racing. Uh, they have had a weird season. They've been, you know, some great highs and some absolutely awful lows. And coming into Bathurst, it has been a little concerning. We'll talk a bit more about the specifics, but let's go through the combinations first. Uh, the number five has Jack LeBrock. And Zach Best. Uh, so LeBrock is currently 16th in the championship and on the move next year. Um, best has been best of the rest in Super 2 behind the incredible Brock Feeney. Um, mm-hmm. Thoughts, comments, hopes, dreams? Jack LeBrock has been thoroughly unimpressive. And remember when he was at uh, at Techno and got like a podium at Simmons mm. Plains and it was wild? Yeah. He's just done nothing like that like what what is he this year his best result this year is a couple of six places in a tickford car he's the worst he's the last place of all the tickford cars by some margin and if it wasn't for uh david reynolds missing six consecutive races he would be the lowest place mustang that's so bad yeah 
Indeed. <laughs> for it, someone who who really was touted as as the next big thing for the Blue Oval, that's shocking. And well, I tell you what, though, I'm really excited to see how Zach Best goes. I I think Best will be a what a reason to look at that car because really yeah. there isn't any other. Exactly. So I gave that car two stars. The number 44 is the next cab off the rank, James Courtney and Thomas Randall. Now, Courtney has had a weird season as well. More, <laughs> more hot and cold probably than Todd, Todd Hazelwood. He got a podium at Sydney Motorsport Park in the in the, the wet race, um, but, he's got, thir- but he's 13th in the standings. Yeah, and he got nerfed off in the second wet race. This is true, but he was in the mid-pack. He was yeah. in the mid-pack to start with. So, you know, you, you qualify down there, you know, that's what you get. Um, he's had a pretty uninspiring year apart from that. He's had one and fourth position otherwise, and that was at the bend. Um, hmm. But on the other hand, he is driving with Thomas Randall, and Thomas Randall is... His recovery from having literally cancer has been amazing to watch, and he'll be in a main game drive next year, finally. Finally, we've only been asking for it for three seasons <laughs> on the trot. Yes, I mean, it's just... It's about time he got a decent run at it. He's been driving the S5000s, and he's on track to... Well, no, not win that championship, but he's on track to have a good result as well. And is he doing double duty? Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, okay. What else would he be doubling the duty with? Super 2? No, with this. Oh, um, I, I expect so. Okay. So, yeah, he's... um. He's a, he's a big boy. I don't even know how he fits into those Super 2, the Super 5000 cars. <laughs> But, yeah, um, absolutely. And he's he's done a few wild cards this season as well as Thomas Randall. He's finished, you know, in the top tw- top 10 twice. So, mm-hmm. uh, he, he, look, I'm interested to see how he goes and pairing with James Courtney, the man who's going to just teach him everything he needs to know about this place, really. Mm. It's, it's youth and experience. And I think James Courtney, I, I'm starting to feel like he's outstaying his welcome in supercars. It's hard to say that when he picks up a podium out of nowhere at Sydney. Though. I know, I know, but I just feel like he's been around for long, a long time. He's the oldest driver in the field now. Yeah. His well, time, I mean, I, regular driver. Yeah, yeah. His time's almost up. So good on Tickford for getting as much out of it as he can. I don't think he'll get another drive after his contract expires. But I don't think this car is going to light the world on fire. Randall, maybe a top, maybe a... Mm, Maybe outside the top five, just it all comes down to what Randall can do. I think I've actually rated this the highest of any Tickford entry, and I'll explain why in just a moment. Okay. I gave this car three stars. Okay, that's fair. So the the third car and the you know pace setter in the Tickford garage has been Cameron Waters and James Moffat. Uh, Moffat is again kind of boring well actually no that's not necessarily true he's spiky as a co-driver <laughs> yes so he he certainly uh will leave it all out there in every single way possible but the concern for me with this team is at sydney they went full tickford all three cars were nowhere absolutely nowhere and cameron waters especially now cameron waters went into the sydney the sydney quadrant of races challenging for second place in the championship he is now struggling to hang on to to fifth in the championship the only redeeming feature for him in those string of races 
was a podium that he only just managed to hold on to in the last race uh, at uh, in, under under lights. Yeah. Mind you, that race was down to poor tyre strategy on Tickford's part too. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, so is there a redemption for going full Tickford? Uh, no. <laughs> I'm sorry, but once you go full Tickford, you never go back. Um, and it's just been symptomatic of this season. Okay, Cameron Waters had some great results early on as well, but he was the fastest car at Bathurst. Yeah. In the in the first two races of the season, he should have won both of them. It was a yeah. power steering problem and then a an awful pit stop that's uh, put him behind uh, at the very beginning of the season. But that's... You almost expect that, is the thing. is the, the terrible, awful thing is you almost expect that from Tickford now. Yeah, you do. Uh, and they're going to back to four cars next year. With the fourth car, Tickford Syndrome's a massive problem for them. So uh, this team, I just, I just don't know this t- this team, man. I've got no words. Once, you, once you go full Tickford, it is hard to come back from that. And like, there's yeah. been good results as well. You know, he took a uh, Waters took a, a very hard fought win at the Bend, um, mm-hmm. uh, fighting off Shane Van Gisbergen. He won two races in Townsville, the first weekend in Townsville, where Tickford cars were the class of the field and Triple uh, Eight were in comparison nowhere compared to where they normally want to be. But Sydney, man, Sydney has been awful for them. Like, 13th, 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 22nd, 15th, and low top 10s. It's just... The only redeeming thing for them is they've actually had a chance to come back down the Hume Highway, come home for a week, take a breather, and get sorted. Uh, And I think that'll actually do them good because, let's not forget, they were in Sydney for that four-week period. They didn't come back to Melbourne at all. Mm-hmm. So, and and their factory is along the Hume Highway, so it's not like it's hard to get to from Sydney. It's just down the road. So that road is almost a thousand kilometers, but it is just down the road. Yeah. So I think that will be good for them, but I don't think it's going to translate for a result, especially not with this car. I gave that car two and a half stars, yeah. and James Moffat's nothing. Yeah. He's just, he's just an angry little punching, punchy person. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> Pulling no punches here is Kiwi Chris. Damn. Okay. Uh, like, okay, maybe we're being a little harsh, but it is hard not to be considering their recent form. That's the thing. It's their recent form that has been alarming. Yep. And uh, I think he's been racing... Yeah, James Moffat's been racing in TCR as well and is down in 12. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay, now we're getting to the last page of my notes. So we're getting into the big boys. And we'll start with... Walkinshaw and Dreddy United, the tale of two cars. And we'll start with the number two to start with, uh, Bryce Fullwood. Languishing in 17th in the championship is a bit unfortunate. Started the season very strongly with a fifth in the first race uh, and has kind of gone nowhere since then. Um, it's been He's certainly been the the anchor in the, uh, in the Walkinshaw and Dreddy United stable. Uh, in fact, he is getting moved on next year. He'll be at... Uh, remind me, Chris, where he'll be next year? Next year, Mr. Is it MSR or... Yeah, he's going back... I'm pretty sure he's going back to MSR, so... Well, there you go. Um, on the other hand, his co-driver is Warren Luff, and Warren Luff is a serial podium getter at Bathurst. I think he has 
six podiums in the, out of the last seven races at at Bathurst in the one thousand. Mm. Uh, just to clear up, sorry, he's got, forward's going to BJR. BJR, there you go. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, Warren Luff, he's he's been around the traps. The stunt driver knows how to drive and get podiums and win this place. He's a perfect co-driver for Bryce Forward, I think. But I don't think it's going to actually help Bryce Forward achieve anything in this race because, let's be real, his first two years have not been that good. Not For someone, for someone yeah. who promised so much and delivered so little, it's a real shame. I more and more I am disappointed that Todd Hazelwood didn't end up at Walkinshaw and Andretti United. Mm. I think that would have been the move and had Todd ended up there instead of Brad Jones, I think <laughs> he would be a championship contender. That makes yeah. me sad. Yeah, absolutely does. But yeah, Warren Luff worked one. Third last year, couple of seconds before that, three more podiums as well. So he's he's been, he's been the co-driver of the probably one of the best co-drivers of the last decade. He is a serial podium getter in the last yeah. since 2012. He has only finished a race off the podium once. The two years yeah. that he didn't finish were 2014, where in that car didn't start the race after an accident in practice, where where Luff was driving and it got tipped onto his roof at the Griffiths Bend. Uh, and a DNF in 2016, driving with Garth Tander, which was the year that they were in the mix for a podium, but Jamie Winkup made a poor decision in redressing a position. Hmm. So if you remove those two years out of it, he's finished He's finished off the podium once in yeah. a decade. <laughs> and that's with four different co-drivers, Craig Lowndes, Garth Tander, Scott Pye, and Chaz Mostert. So he is a serial podium getter, yeah. and... I, I even even with Bryce Forward, I think th- that will be enough to lift this car up. I've actually given this car three stars entirely Ooh, wow. off of entirely off of Warren Luff. And he's one of the most experienced drivers around. He's been driving at Bathurst since nineteen ninety seven in a Honda Accord. Ah uh, yes, the split is. <laughs> yes. Oh god, there's a whole podcast in that alone. Absolutely. But yeah, he's yeah. He, Warren Luff is good enough to get it done. It's just what can Bryce Forward do and what can the car do? Because I don't think it's all down to Bryce Forward. I do think there's the car as well. Like, it seems like they've taken their, oh, we can't get both cars together at the same time to, oh, we've only got the one car we're getting right all the time and one car we're just ignoring. I, I think that is a, that is a, uh, maybe Bryce Forward's results are a symptom of the focus on Chas Mostert. Uh, mm. And you could argue rightfully so because Chas Mostert, has been in the fight. Well, not in the fight for the championship because the championship was over in inverted commas very quickly, um, but has certainly been in the mix for a, a good result in the championship. So Chaz is driving with Lee Holdsworth. Um, he's had a, a bunch of near misses, um, particularly towards the end of the season. He took two wins, one at Simmons Plains and one at Hidden Valley. But in the mix has picked up seven podiums and has been consistently in that uh, top half of the top 10 fight without really pushing on to make a, a huge fight of it. But he's been consistent. He's mm. He's been consistent for the most part. Um, in fact, he's only had, let's count them, one, two, three, four, five races outside of the top 10 this season. Yeah. It's, it's just missing that cutting edge at, at Walkinshaw. And... Is that going to be a, a problem come Bathurst? 
I don't think so. Uh, Chaz Mostert, he knows how to get it done. He hasn't really put that many feet wrong this season. Uh, from memory, the bad results he's had have a lot been down to poor luck or poor team. Yep. Play more than him. There was so, that There was that crash at the bend, though, which there was, true. was himself, Chaz, uh, Cameron Waters and Tim Slade all tripping over each other. Yeah, that was that was more of a mess, though. That was, like, you, you can't First blame one. First lap mess, yeah. Yeah. Can't blame anyone for that, really. So, and let's not forget, Chaz Mosser is going to walk away from Bathurst with a title no matter what happens. Is he? Yeah, because he all he needs to do is finish seventh and race one of the TCR and he's won that title. Oh, well, there you go. And he's, he's actually going to he's going to enter one race of TCR just to make sure he does that. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. So pulling um, double duty. Yep, for one race. So yeah, he's going to, he's going to come home with some silverware. He would love it to be the Peter Brock Trophy. And honestly, Lee Holdsworth is a really good pickup for the team. I, I've got a question mark about that. So Holdsworth, he's one of the drivers that never really broke through properly in supercars. He, you know, with Stone Brothers, he finished fourth in the championship with, you know, when he went to, to when that became Erebus, he did pick up a race win and then went to Tickford with the Mustang and was making the most of the Mustang, but, you know, only very just, like, at the tail end of the top 10 when everyone else in a Mustang was at the very pointy end. It, it's kind of a similar sort of thing to, you know, Michael Caruso, which is not surprising at all considering their careers followed very similar paths. He, he's not really an exciting driver, I, I think. I, I'd be more... I would have preferred to have Luff in that car with Mostert. Oh, that would have been phenomenal. Because <laughs> that, that was the combination last year and they finished third. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. It's, it's a bit strange to have changed it, but to be fair, Lee Holdsworth is actually having an all right year. He's been racing in TCR as well this year in the Alpha. So, and he's currently third in that championship. So I, don't, I think it'll be okay. Okay, I, I think it'll be okay as well. I gave that car three stars as well. So, yeah, so look, I've got him in the five. In the top in five? Com- comfortably so. Yeah, I, I I would tend to agree. Now we get into the big guns. DJR, uh, divorced now from Team Penske. It is just uh, Dick Johnson and the resources he can bring to the team. Uh, the two cars, Anton Di Pasquale and Will Davison. Uh, let's go with Anton first. Anton has had a mixed bag of a season, particularly at the start of the oh. season... It was not going all to plan, but he did pick up a win at the bend and five wins in Sydney. He was clearly the fastest car at Sydney Motorsport Park. The problem was when they weren't on, they really weren't on. And in part of that as well was a disqualification for using tires outside of their allocation as well. Um, Sitting sixth in the championship, driving with Tony D'Alberto. What do we think, Chris? He's had a really mixed season. And honestly, if you took out those retirements from the early part of the season, he should be much further up the grid. Let's give him, say, 600 points for those retirements. Let's give him 400 points from those retirements. That puts him comfortably in the fight for second place. And I think that would be a a more true representation of his relative pace compared to those around him. Yep. So he is proving to be actually really good. And definitely the future for DJR. It, it, certainly. Uh, what? And he's been a qualifying machine as well. He's taken mm. home a, a string of uh, pole positions and shootout uh, laps as well. So do we see that car on, at the top of the grid on uh, on Sunday? I just have a 
massive question mark about what Tony Delberto is going to bring to it. Yes, he's been with Tickford for a while. Or not Tickford, sorry, DJR for a while. He brought the car home in third in 2017 and fourth last year with uh, Fabian Coulthard. I, mean, he's, I think he's one of those ones. He's not spectacular, but he will at least give you a solid platform to build on. And ADP is good enough to build on that platform. He's certainly not Scott McLaughlin, and that was who was meant no. to be driving this car. No, that's very true. <laughs> that was my next point. Um, what Scotty McInnes is a whole different beast. Absolutely. And because of that, I've only put this as a three and a half star car. And yeah, I, the, the, the entire reason for that is because because Tony D'Alberto is not Scott McLaughlin. Yeah. And to me, that still feels really generous. So Yeah. What about the other car? What about Will and Alex? Will has not had a race win this season. Uh, he's not had a race win since the 2016 Bathurst 1000. Uh, and yet he's third in the championship. And yet he's third <laughs> at the championship. He's had He has been super consistent. He's picked up, let's count them, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten podiums this year. Um, has been very consistently in the top ten. Has just not been able to put it all together to take a race win. And when I think it was the Sydney, the the third, well, the first race of the second weekend when uh, he got bested by the two Red Bull cars very late in the race on tyre strategy, he got out of the car and he was gutted. He was he, absolutely gutted. It's been a long time since I've seen someone that emotionally straw after not winning a race he was third he was still third yeah yeah but he was absolutely devastated he that was his race mm. that was his race until the red boy said no nah. he he's actually this is what his maybe his third lease on life and he's taken it with both hands i'm really impressed with what he's done this year really impressed yeah and like considering that you know a halfway through last year he didn't have a drive at all mm. And, you know, Tickford, oh, sorry, uh, DJR has given him a, a, a new life, a second life, a third life, yeah. truth be told. And yeah. he's, he's you know, very comfortably second or uh, third in the championship, the best of the rest. Uh, driving with Alex Davison, his brother. Um, in comparison, I'd say Alex is comparatively weaker as a co-driver, certainly compared to some of the names we were about to mention and some of the names we already have mentioned, particularly Warren Luff and Matt Campbell. Um, what do we make of that as a pairing? I, well, for one, you've got synergy, haven't you? Oh, well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not, it's not like you're going to get angry at your brother for... Well, you might still get angry at your brother for binning the car, but lot, it's a little bit easier to deal with. Um, I think the big plus for this is the person on the mic. Engineering the thing, Ludo Lacroix. Isn't he engineer for Anton? Is he? Maybe I did jump across. At the beginning of the season? Did he? Maybe yeah. he did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Maybe I'm pleasing. I'm losing my marbles. So I'm sorry. You had marbles? <laughs> no. But I think... Mm-hmm. Oh, look. Alex, Alex is fine. But that's, that, that's the thing, though. It's just fine. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Who's the better place DJR car? 17 or 11? ADP. 11? Yeah. yeah, I tend to agree. I've given this car three stars. I expect them to be in the top 10. Oh, yeah, look. Inside the top 10, pushing for a five, maybe. Yeah, I, I know, think that's pretty... The thing that's going to work in their favour, Will is not going to bend the car. You hope. 
No, he's not going to. He he just he just doesn't crash cars. This is yeah, this is true. He has uh, he's not retired all season, so he's not had a, a problem all season. So like that's actually probably been the difference between him and Deep Pasquale, where Deep Pasquale has either had crashes or problems that have pulled him out of the race. Will mm. has not. And let's not forget uh, last year Bathurst co-driving for Tickford came second. Yes, with Cam Waters. Was mm-hmm. that was he really comes? Wow. Okay. Yeah. Remember he started the season with twenty three red, and then yeah got retained for the co drive. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So certainly recent Bathurst experience then. Yes. Okay, so that's the two DJR cars. Now, what order do we want to do this in as well? This is the final team in the grid. You all know who this is. Do we want to talk about the wild card first or leave that till the end? No, let's talk about the wild card first because I think that's the smallest story of the three. Okay, well, here we go. <laughs> it's just crazy to see. The, the mix of the youngest of the youth and the most of the experience, the triple eight running a wild card for future supercars driver, contracted supercars driver, Brock Feeney, and the enforcer, Russell Engel. He's back. He, oh, this is everyone's best worst nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> Just imagine if it was Russell Engel or Paul Morris. Oh, don't say Paul <laughs> Morris. Please, no. This uh, is, this is the, the true epitome of the old head and the new blood. Oh, this is a masterstroke by Triple Eight. And because... Brock Feeney, he's been tearing it up in Super 2. He's by far the class of the field, right? Yeah. Putting him with a man who's got as much experience around this place and as much hard-nosed racing experience as Russell Ingle, who, let's not forget, drove around here a couple of years ago in a BMW at the 12-hour and wasn't actually terrible until he stuffed it. Yeah, that was. The, the, I was going to mention that. <laughs> His last yeah. experience at Bathurst was putting it in the wall at the Dipper. And yeah, but... to, much to Mark Scaife's chagrin, I might add. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. Uh, those old friends. But the amount of knowledge and just mentoring that Russell Mingle is going to be able to impart on Brock in this, ahead of this weekend is going to be invaluable to him. Absolutely. They're going to be in a very red, super cheap car, which is going to be very, very cool. Um, you know, kind of reuniting Ingle's old partnership with Super Cheap. Let's talk about Brock Feeney for a little while. Uh, Has been easily the best driver in Super 2. Has been entrusted with replacing Jamie Wincup for next year when Jamie Wincup retires after this race. That's a lot of pressure on a young man's shoulders going into, you know, his debut in the main game. Because let's remember, he hasn't been a co-driver. Uh, at let's, Bathurst before. This is his Bathurst 1000 debut. Let's remember, he's 19. That's terrifying. <laughs> yes. That's absolutely terrifying. He um he also, it's not his first race around Bathurst in his no. first enduro. He actually raced in the 12 hour last year. Yep. Uh, alongside Aaron Cameron and Nick Perkat taking home the victory in the uh, Invitational cars uh, class. And I do want to add a little bit of a caveat to that. Um, They took home the victory in that class by a hundred laps because the other four cars in that class had problems. So it's true. It, like it is a class victory. Sure. They did, you know, f- finish the race. Sure. It is a little bit muddied by the fact that, you know, Tyler Everingham's car was written off before the race. 
Jeff Thornton suffered from engine problems all race. And, you know, the, the other car hit the wall. I can't remember who was driving that car. Hit the wall twice at the metal grate and spent, you know, hours in the pits. So... But, listen, but he also raced last year with James Courtney. Yes, you are 10th. right. You are right. I did make that mistake. So, you know, racing last year, coming 10th as an 18-year-old at Bathurst. Holy crap. <laughs> there, are, there are big, big expectations on this kid. Yeah. Oh, Triple Eight wouldn't have picked him. Jamie Wincap wouldn't have picked him to replace him if he didn't see something in him and think he could handle the pressure. So... So what are we Honestly, expecting? From, fine. What are what are we expecting from this wild card? Then you have one of the most experienced drivers on the grid, the enforcer, and you have the hottest new prospect, the only driver stepping up from Super Two to Supercars next year. What do we expect from this pairing in a Triple Eight run car <laughs> as well? Look, I'm going to compare it to the Xbox wild card of a few years ago. Oh, they finished Andy Prio and Matthias Ekstrom. Yep, they finished tenth. I think it was at the end of the day. Yep. If this car can achieve a similar result, if the enforcer doesn't take a wrong turn because he's old and confused, <laughs> Oof. I reckon that should be their goal. Top, top 10? 10. Top 10, keep it clean, bring it home. And most importantly for Brock, another another race under his belt with the team he's going to race for next year. Can't hurt. I would be astounded if they make a top 10. It would be incredible I think their first priority has to be just getting it home. Yeah. And now the rest of the Triple Eight race engineering stable, and it they really have been the team of the season. You have in the number eighty eight, the greatest of all time, Jamie Winkup driving with the greatest of all time, Craig Lowndes. <laughs> but yep. they have been clearly well, Jamie at least has been clearly second best to Shane Van Gisbergen. The champion elect has already sewn it up before the the finale at Bathurst. Shane Van Gisbergen driving alongside Garth Tander, one of the two combinations to survive from last year, and the reigning race winner. So, yep. where do we want to start? Let's start with Winkup and Lance first. Yep. And I think we need to take a minute to say, Jamie Winkup, it's been fun, mate. It's been Even- incredible. Yeah, seven. Well, there's seven championships, six Bathursts, four Bathursts, four Bathursts. Sorry, yeah, and four he's thrown away. Yeah, um, he's mo- he's moving out of full time driving next year to become team principal of Triple Eight Racing as Roland Dane steps back. So, and he's obviously owns is part owner of the team now as well. So, and to pair with Craig Lowndes for his final race, his final full time race, so Craig Lowndes is a master around this place. It's just not mince words there. This is the second best combination Triple Eight have got. That's the thing though. It's the second best combination that they've <laughs> yeah. got, but it is still probably the second best combination in the field. It's the second best combination I think we've seen at Bathurst for a long time. Exactly, exactly right. They, the the thing that has struck me about Wink Up this season is that he has been clearly second best to his teammate. On the opportunity that Red Bull cars have been one and two, only once has Wink Up managed to have a race win, and that was at Simmons Plains, and that broke the streak for Van Gisbergen. He did take another win at the second Sydney event, the one where Van Gisbergen had all those penalties and the problems in the pits, etc. 
but when the when the triple eight cars have been on song, it has been Wink Up playing second fiddle. Yep. And I wonder if that is why come the last race in the Sydney uh the third Sydney event, why he put on such a big fight which ended up preventing both himself and Van Giersbergen from challenging Will Brown for the race win. I think there's an element of that. But there's also an element in my mind of, I can't tell our future team boss to see the position. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it just makes things a bit awkward in the in the debrief later. But, oh, this is, oh, I just, I, I got no words other than this car is comfortably going to finish on the podium. I, I think so as well. I think this yeah. this car is the only car I gave four stars to, and mm-hmm. uh, I think it's the only combination with a uh, with the right mix of experience. Well, I mean, they've got experience out of the wahoo in this car. <laughs> yeah. And how, like, long's Craig Lowndes, how long is Craig Lowndes be doing this for? Craig Lowndes has the, is equal second in the longest consecutive race starts at Bathurst, and he's been racing the Bathurst 1000 every single year since 1994, which is the year that I was born. Yep. It's the year, that, the year that Macca Jones was born. Which is crazy. It's, it's, it's the year after my fiance was born. There you go. Um, so he's, so Craig now is currently sitting on seven Bathurst titles. I reckon this is possibly his last chance to get to number eight. So I don't know what happens next year. I don't necessarily agree because I will say that Jim Richards was racing and winning all the way into his 50s. I guess the the question for me is what's going to happen next year? Jamie Wincup's going to be the team owner. Is he still going to do the Enduros? Quite possibly. Uh, quite possibly. So you, didn't you have a choice? Garth Tander, Craig Lowndes? Yeah, yeah. It's I. That's a difficult decision. That's a very it's, difficult decision. It's very much Sophie's choice, but Jesus. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, you said on the podium. Oh yeah, for sure. As long as long as nothing untoward happens. And we did see something untoward happen last year with Winkup binning it very early on in the race, which was a surprise Weirdly. to everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Like, but at a part of the track, you don't normally see a driver of his quality bin it. Yeah, it was quite a surprise and kind of forced into an error by Grota Kostecki in that respect. Mm. Yeah. What about the sister car? What about Shane Van Gisbergen and Garth Tander, the number the number 97, the number one, and because that's been the position that Shane has finished in most this year. Oh, the championship was decided as early as Sandown. I, I think when, when Van Gisbergen, with a broken collarbone, started 17th and ended up winning that race at Sandown, everyone was like, yeah, this is this, this is, is going to be a trend. Pack her up, boys. We're out of here. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yep. Um, 14 just, race wins. 14 out of 29 race wins. And I, I want to add to that as well. Mm-hmm. Not They've not been drive-away race wins. Very often, because of Shane's race craft... They have been go long in the first in pit, mm-hmm. seed track position, and wrap them all up. And he's had to work hard and do it the hard way, and it still works. Yeah, which is crazy. Here's another stat 80% of the races he's been on the podium this year. That's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. Yeah. He's he's had a season akin to his 2016 season where he won the Blank Pain Endurance Championship alongside the Supercars Championship. Yeah. 
it's been something just to absolutely admire. And his co-driver this year, Garth Tander. I've ragged on him in the past for being a little bit, you know, easy to anger on track, I guess is a nice way of putting it. But put him in a car at Bathurst, he just turns into a different beast entirely. He's aged, had... he's aged like a fine wine. Like yeah. between what he's been doing in the Australian GT Championship, what he's been doing in TCR, all the other uh, and the media stuff that he's been a part of now, he's really mm. aged like a like a fine wine. And he's, I think, a better co-driver than Craig Lowndes. That uh, I really want to disagree with you, but I don't. It's hard, isn't it? It's hard to disagree <laughs> with that. Yeah. Uh, Craig Lowndes sort of well, Craig Lowndes once he stepped away from full time driving hasn't had the same sort of success that uh, GT's had. Like he's been Craig Craig's been racing in Porsche Carrera Cup, been okay, but not seeing the world on fire. Whereas, like you said, Garth in the GT's been phenomenal. Um, as a co driver, last two starts, the first and the second, both with Shane Van Gisbergen. Hard to see that changing. Yeah, and let's remember as well, at Sandown, that 2019 Sandown, that he was his first co-drive race. Uh, well, actually, no, it was his, his first season with Shane Van Giesbergen. Uh They were on track to win that, except for a suspension failure, literally three laps from the end. Yeah, this is very true. Uh, so, I think we have to call this car the race favourite, don't we? I gave it five stars. It's the only car I gave five stars. It, it's one of those things where Bathurst is a long and complicated and variable event, but given all of those things, given the quality of Triple Eight, given the quality of Van Gisbergen, given the quality of Garth Tander, given the engineering now in the back room, given how good their pit stops are, given their strategy, given their, their tire quality, given the fact that Van Gisbergen came from nowhere at the Sydney night race three weeks ago, a week ago, and won. He was 15 seconds down with three laps left and won yeah. the race. He's in, he's in the form of his life. That team is an unstoppable force. I don't mm-hmm. see any other team getting close. And the only team that I see getting close is Jamie Winkup and Craig Lowndes. Yeah. The only issue this team's going to face is, I think... You know, like you said, Jamie Winker, but I do also think that DJR will... T- and we've seen DJR and, um, at times take the fight to them, but only occasionally. And, at, and let's, look, let's look at Bathurst 1, the first time we hear. Dave Van Gisbergen brained the field. Absolutely destroyed them. Well, but even still, he wasn't the fastest driver on track that weekend. It was Cameron True. Waters. That's That's but, the thing. That's the thing. Even when they haven't been the fastest car, they've brained the field. Even when Anton Di Pasquale is leading qualifying by three quarters of a second, Van Gisbergen wins the race. Triple Eight win the race. Triple Eight win the Sydney Swing. They win. They win the Sydney Cup by having the four the the best results over those four weekends. Even mm. when they are struggling, they win races. Yeah, they just get it. They just know how to get it done, and that's a sign of. The pit of a stellar team, and I, yeah, look, this this card's going to win if it all goes to plan. Yeah, it's, uh, I, and it's hard to say anything different, and, really. And it, they reckon it's going to rain. Really? Is say- that so? That was the next thing I was going to ask. Mm. We've never seen a Bathurst one thousand in the summer. 
It has been yeah. a very, it's been a very weird summer so far. Let's make that very clear. For you know, a people, a lot of people will still very vividly remember, despite the fact that COVID has been the headline for the last two years. People will still vividly remember the discussions around the bushfires in Australia across the twenty 2020 twenty or 2019-2020 summer, where that was by far the hottest, driest, most dangerous. Uh, conditions the most dangerous summer that i've ever seen in my life it has been yeah. a very weird summer so well a very weird year so far in terms of the seasons and it is going to be and has still been wet yeah and like the parts of regional new south wales around bathurst are dealing with flooding at the moment quite significant flooding but the point i was going to make was what does shane van gisbergen drive the best in Wet conditions. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, you could pretty much say that Van Gisbergen drives the best in all conditions. But I think the gap's even more so in the wet. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and and part of the reason for the, the, the impending wet conditions is this weather system called La Nina, which exaggerates the... Well, sorry, it actually kind of flips the... Um, the conditions across the Pacific Ocean. So, you know, while we deal in Australia with severely wet conditions, flooding and significantly increased rainfall over in South America, in specifically Peru, they'll be dealing with, you know, more drought conditions. So, you know, if you are listening from South America, I hope that you are able to make it through this summer without too much of an issue because uh, I, you know, I, I hate the wet summers. I want it to be hot and warm and sunny. Um, but they actually did announce uh, the Australian Bureau of Meteorology actually said we are in like officially in a La Nina system now. So it is going to be cool, well, relatively cool, but more significantly rainy, which is a very difficult combination if it strikes Bathurst. <laughs> yes. Um, but although I do think back to a few years ago, we had the wet half of the first half of the race. All the co-drives of 70 laps were some of the best driving I've ever seen. That was 2017. Yeah, absolutely. I, think, yeah. I still think that was one of my favorite endurance races ever. Yeah. We just just see them going like they do. If drivers who are not in the car for that long, doing what they did on the wet, wet conditions, on some of them on dry tires even. It was very it's amazing. Very impressive indeed. But I think what we're saying is 97 to win. 97 to win. Like, there's... <laughs> yep. Like you can't, even, I, I don't think there's any team that comes close, and especially especially with Scott McLaughlin not making the trip and not mm-hmm. being able to co-drive with Deepa Squally, I think that's the only other combination that would be as scary as Garth Tander and on current form Shane Van Gisbergen. But like, I, I don't think anyone comes close. No. What about the top five, Kiwi? Uh, in top five, you have to put the sister sister triple eight car. Yep. Yeah, the eight. One of the one of the DJR cars. I'm gonna. I'm actually gonna su- maybe surprise you and put the 17 up there. You are think, very predictable. I think actually I'm gonna put both there, 11 and 17. Yep. And I do think. No, uh, honestly, Chaz, Chaz and uh, Lee Holdsworth. Yeah. Yeah, I I would agree. I would agree with that. The the only addition slash question mark i'd add is uh nick perka and dale wood mm-hmm. and and that's they're really the only um and then maybe an erebus car but i i think that's a, a very much an outside shot for an erebus car yeah um but but if the weather hits all be, i think all bits are off outside 
That's outside of 97. Like, this is the thing. Yeah. The weather hits. Yeah. We don't know what's going to happen, except that 97 will still be at the head of the field. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, damn. Any other comments? Any other things you want to you want to mention before we make one or two announcements and then wrap up? Can we talk about the support races? Because holy crap, six days of racing and we got the eight support categories and we should talk about some of the drivers we're going to see in those categories. I think let's mention some of the drivers and you've done a yeah. bit more research into this than I have. So I think you should take this away. Yeah. So Australian GT are going to be joining us this weekend uh, as part of the races. We got Roberto Mary, who's also driving the Super 5000s. Yes, that Roberto Mary. He's um he's been driving S Super Five Thousand. He's been working behind the scenes at uh, one of the teams. He got offered a drive, and he's going to be driving co-driving in the number seventeen. What do you meme, Audi? <laughs> oh, classic <laughs> as well. Uh, also, Chris Meese is joining us with the Yasser with the Shahin. So he's replacing Garth Tander for the weekend. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, the Groves are driving in a in the pro am class as well. And this is Shane Vangersberg would normally be driving in this with Prince Jeffrey Ibrahim. He's out. Uh, any other big names there? Well, I think it's important to mention that Peter Hackett mm. is replacing Vangersberg mm. in that car. And Peter Hackett is a very, uh, very important name in the Australian GT scene. Um, yeah. And he's taken home a few championships uh, alongside, oh, who was he driving with? Um, Dom, Dom Story in the yes. past? Yes. So, so while Peter Hackett might not be a, a name that people outside of Australia recognise, um, he's certainly a very, very good GT driver and part of the Triple Eight mm. and Eggleston family for a long time. So, look for that car to still remain competitive. Yeah, and the other pro am uh, entry from Audi is Liam Talbot, Fraser Ross, another strong car as well. Uh, so that's a fourteen car grid, I think it was, with thirteen GT threes and one GT four. So, Mark Griffith. Congratulations, you won your class. Woo! Um, also, Super 5000 is going to be an 11-car field. Roberto Mary is going to be in there as well. Uh, another driver, John Martin, is another Australian some people may know who listen to this podcast. Uh, Lewis Leeds as well. He's going to be racing in, that, in the S5000 this weekend. And Nathan Hearn. Now, he's a name that's been mentioned a lot as an up-and-comer. And Israeli motorsports, so keep an eye out for him as well. Teammate to James Golding. So they're going to be the two big ticket items. Of course, there's also going to be TCR. There's going to be Trans Am. Yep. Um, the Super Utes that are actually good again. They've dropped the the yep. platform down and put a V8 back in it. So it actually looks and sounds like it, almost like it used to. Yep. And also Porsche Career Cup for the 26 car field. Oh my gosh. And they do a 100 kilometer race as well. They're doing four races a weekend. It's a double header, so there were going to be two 30-minute races, a 40-minute race, and a 25-minute race. Nice. That'll be good. Um, Super 2 are going to be there, so Brock Fiendi will get a few more laps on track. Zach Best, Jaden Ojeda, they'll be out there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Toyota uh, 86 are going to be out there on track. Yep. And the Trans Ams, which is great fun. Yeah, look, sound meaty. Look, look for Ben Barguana, son of Jason Barguana, to mm-hmm. be very, very high up in that championship as well. Yep. Um, and there's a few drivers doing double duty, like we mentioned. Uh, there's a few co-drivers in TCR. Chaz Mossett as well. And he's, he's going to be in the first race on the Wednesday. All he needs to do is finish seventh, and he's got the championship there. So all up, six days of racing, five days of which we broadcast. However you find it, 
get on a stream. It's going to be amazing fun. Absolutely. And I believe you can access the support categories through Superview as well. So if you are able to do that, make sure that you do, even just for a little bit, because they will be pure quality. Uh, So Bathurst, it is a week away from when this podcast is going to be out. So if you are listening on the Sunday, get set your alarms if you're not in our corner of the world. Um, and while you're doing that, make sure you're using the racingline.app to let you know when the races are on. It's very much later in the year compared to where it normally would be. So and later in the day as well, the race starting just after 12. So uh, that'll be uh, something that you'll have to get your head around. Um, of course, all the daylight savings changeovers have been done now. We don't actually have the daylight saving changeover in the middle of the weekend anymore. So thank God for that. Uh, <laughs> So thank you very much to the RacingLine.app on, on iOS and on the Android store, the Google Play store. And a little bit of an announcement for something that we're going to be uh, trying next year or late this year for Endurance Chat. So Kiwi, as you made mention, you're going to be very busy next year um, with yep. a new bub on the way. How do you change nappies again? <laughs> Brilliant. Um, so what, we've, uh, what I've sort of... Uh, try to do is, you know, keeping in mind that life is going to be changing quite a lot for you and uh, your contribution to this podcast is going to be changing a little bit as well. I have, we're going to try, we're going to absolutely give this a red hot go. Um, We're going to do Flood and Kiwi Talk Sports. So every three to four weeks, we're going to get together for about an hour and we're just going to talk about sports, whatever, whatever we've been watching, because you digest a lot of sports. You're a big sports fan. I know just a lot of sports. <laughs> yes. Um, and some of the sports we've talked about in the last five months just privately include biathlon, cycling, sailing, underwater rugby. <laughs> that one's going to be very interesting to get that. But like, you know, uh, you're, you're big into the rugby union as a New Zealander, of course, and the America's Cup because uh, New mm-hmm. Zealand sailing has done very well with that. I've... Any sport that I watch, I love talking about it. I managed to get a bunch of friends out to the women's cricket, the women's T20 competition um, during the week. And I've got so many opinions to share about that. And I think it'll be just a nice low-key way to keep you, Chris, involved and uh, keep you in, as part of the podcast because, uh, you know, we, we love to have you on the podcast. and. Aww. It'll be, it'll be, it's something I've been wanting to do for a little while. So thank you for joining me in this endeavor. And of course, we'll be talking about the cricket in the next few months because it's going to be ashes just around the corner. Yeah. And we'll still talk about motorsport stuff. We'll throw on some supercar stuff as well in Australian motorsports. So there'll still be a motorsport fair to it all. It's just, you know, broadening our horizons a bit. And who knows, it might learn something. And hopefully it's still pretty engaging content for you all. And that's yeah, and that's the most important thing. Well, uh, eh, it's it's an an important thing. I I, ho- I do hope that we still keep our you know uh, good bantery flair going, and it's something that's interesting to listen to. Um, and yeah, let us know what you think, what you'd like us to touch on, and if there's anything specific that you'd like us to talk about or get into, let us know. But most probably, it's just going to be us talking about all the sports that we like to watch and want to have an audience for. Yeah, basically. But hey, if you've got a sport you want us to talk about, I can do some research. Hey, I'll, I'll watch basically <laughs> anything, truth be told. Yeah. Except golf. Uh, even golf. Okay, you can I, talk about golf. I'll I, I, enjoy the, I enjoy the Masters. There you go. So even golf, apparently. Even golf. And on that note, thank you very much for joining me on our yearly look into the Supercars Bathurst 1000 Kiwi. 
Not a problem at all. Thank you for bringing me along for the ride. Always, always a pleasure. And can you believe that six years ago when we did our Bathurst 12-hour preview that we'd be sitting here right now? God, no. <laughs> Whose <laughs> mistake was right. Um, was, was, it, was it yours for doing this or Mike for getting us together at Bathurst? Uh, yes to all of the above. It's everyone's fault. <laughs> and on that and note, you, thank and you, you, Gigi, for getting him a job. Oh, blimey. Don't even... That's another thing. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, we hope you are able to tune in. I hope you're able to enjoy the event and I hope you learn something and have a bit of an idea and you win your local works Bathurst sweepstakes estates um, because that's a thing that people do, of course. Uh, I've been Michael Zalavari. Thank you very much for listening. Peace out! talking about the third car uh they have a third car the one isn't the wild card erebus no well that was uh going to be the murphy and stanaway car oh yeah dumb. okay we'll, yeah, we'll cut that on post <laughs> no i just had a mental blank in before i leave that in and everyone because <laughs> of course you leave it in